This is episode 290 of the AWS podcast, released on January 16, 2019. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Lesher here with you. Great to have you back, and I'm joined by three very special guests today. Firstly, I'm joined by Cliff Addison from the University of Liverpool. He's a manager there at the Advanced Research Computing Services Department. Welcome to the podcast, Cliff. Good morning. Yes, hi. Thanks for coming on board. And I'm also joined by Kristen Merritt, who's a partner manager at Alsys Flight. Welcome, Kristen. Hi, good morning. And Will Mayers, who's a technical consultant also from Alsys Flight. Welcome, Will. Good morning. So, Kristen, let's maybe start with you. Uh, I've used the phrase Alsys Flight, which for many of our listeners may be familiar, but for a lot may also be sort of an un- unknown thing. Can you give us the very quick summary of what is Alsys Flight? Well, Alsys Flight is an HPC environment creation tool that works on all of the public clouds, including AWS. Basically, what it does is it brings together your job schedule, your applications, everything that you need to get going on an HPC cluster that you've built in the cloud in minutes. And it's really purpose designed for for researchers and for people doing HPC, which typically has, I guess, a very niche set of requirements, doesn't it? Um, Yes, it does. But at the same time, it is open to anyone who's interested in HPC. There's a lot of um, different departments, different research groups who are looking to the cloud for high performance computing capabilities. And what Alsys Flight does is because it is uh, open source in its basis, it can bring in new applications, new, new things for people to use all the time. So what we hope is that not only are researchers using it, but students and those who are just interested in HPC have access to this tool. That's great. And, and I have to ask the origin of the name. It's an unusual name. <laughs> I'm going to actually pass that off to Will because he would know that. Yeah. So cool. um, Alsys has been a, a group of companies we've we've been working on for about 10 years. So we've always had a moose as a company mascot. And Alsys is the, uh, the Latin name for a particular uh, breed of moose. So it, it started out from that. Makes nothing but sense. <laughs> it's always interesting where names come from. So, Cliff, uh, you, you've tackled some some pretty interesting use cases in, in your environment. So maybe if you can tell us a bit about what you and your team does at the University of Liverpool and, and we'll take it from there. Well, one of the main things that we try to do is provide the facilities, both the hardware and the software, and as well as technical expertise, for our researchers to be able to do effectively any sort of computing they need off the desktop. So when they start to get to the point where they need something with more memory or they need a lot of runs being performed or a lot of parallel computations that they require, then we try to basically provide the facilities so that they're able to get access to this in a fairly sensible way. And this is part of the reason why we were very pleased with with the um, collaboration that, that Dell and Alsys were able to do with AWS providing us some of the research credits because it fit in extremely well with both our immediate and, and medium longer term ideas of where we wanted to take things. And let's maybe unpack that that use case of, of HPC and research because I think it, it's interesting, you know, compared to maybe the the, the CIO or IT manager of a, of a bank or a retailer where there's a very, I guess, well understood flow of workload and some very specific long-term running core systems. The research community has has different needs and and puts different challenges from an IT perspective on infrastructure, doesn't it? It does indeed. I mean, where this immediately started with is when in 2017 we were able to go to tender to buy a a large new central facility for people, 
and it was a competitive tender. Dell Alsys came in with a, a very attractive bid, and they also said, oh, we've got this collaboration with AWS as well. And for a variety of factors, they were the winning bid. And so we have a reasonably large Dell system on campus, and that provides sort of the backbone. So there's a good deal of computational work that takes place amongst some of our chemists and engineers. Some of that can spill out onto the cloud. Most of it does need sort of a, a good central resource. But we were getting a large number of different sort of people coming in with limited amounts of experience and some specialized computational requirements and being able to use the cloud to help them explore some of these issues or being able to satisfy some of their specialized computational requirements worked out very well. And maybe give us a, a taste of some some of those use cases. I mean, you have a, a wide wi- a wide range of research going on there. Can you tell us a little bit about the type of research and the type of computing needed to support that research? Yes, our computational chemistry group or groups probably take up the bulk of the local computing and certainly represent a very large number of our computational scientists on campus. They're doing a variety of tasks, things like being able to invest, investigate the potential of joining molecules together to build better compounds which have certain good properties, or being able to investigate characteristics of, of some of the material properties of things they're looking at. Our engineers are looking out of a variety of, of, of different problems. Some of it is related to computational fluid dynamics and aerospace. Others are looking at similar-ish mathematical problems, but they actually relate to things like the way sand moves with tidal flows and that kind of a thing. But then we've also got some of the, the people coming to us and say, we've heard about this deep learning aspect and where we're applying this, trying to understand better what happens with diseases in certain places. One of the main groups that we've been working with are ones that are very much interested in looking at um, eye diseases. And, and they've been trying to investigate the best way to use deep learning to try to identify disease patterns or other characteristics from images of the eye to help improve their diagnostic capabilities. It's fascinating. And I believe with that work, they needed access to, to GPUs to really do that deep learning efficiently. And um, you found some good optimizations there. That's right. So they had discussions with NVIDIA a few years back, and, and NVIDIA were quite generous with their support. And they were able to provide them with quite a large number of previous generation K40, K80 GPUs. But they were beginning to struggle with that as their models were getting a bit bigger and their images were getting a bit bigger. And one of the, the test cases we had looking at, at, at the research credits we got from AWS last year was, well, let's spin up a, a deep learning instance on AWS and let's just investigate whether that is something that could be useful for you. And we can then possibly look at trying to do things on some of the more advanced P3 architectures that AWS has. These have the latest V100 GPU technologies from NVIDIA. And after some preliminary investigation and getting started on the older technology, what are on the P2 instances, the, that's K80, similar to what they had on the desktops, they then started to investigate what they could do on, on a V100. And they came back to me immediately and sort of said, can we keep these, please? So they were seeing within a day or so a factor of six performance improvement over what they were seeing from the desktop environments. 
and and it just made us substantially a better environment in which they were able to work. And we were able to spin this up and and, and give them remote login access on on AWS very easily. That's amazing. I mean, that that six times improvement or factor of six is is phenomenal because uh, cycle times are everything when it comes to running research experiments. Maybe, Will, if you can give us a taste of, you know, what is the, the experience that a researcher has with Alice's flight? What does it, what does it give to, to the user in terms of taking advantage of, of resources like the AWS Cloud? So there's a couple of different ways that uh, researchers can use flight. So what we've been um, helping Cliff with in this instance is really more of a self-discovery environment. Because the university has invested in um, an on-prem facility as well, uh, we're really using the the AWS platform to really supplement that and to do more discovery work, um, more things that would be difficult to do in an on-prem environment uh, that's perhaps a little bit more rigid, less flexible than AWS. So that's some certainly something that I think a lot of researchers would benefit from, just the agility of a platform like AWS to be able to, to run different workloads. Now, the, the purpose of flight really is to make AWS look as familiar as possible to make it look like uh, perhaps their on-prem environment. Things like compatibility with their their job schedulers. So in this case, uh, Cliff at Liverpool runs the Slurm job scheduler. So it's relatively straightforward to set up a, a flight cluster running on AWS that has a Slurm environment set up and ready to go. So it really is about lowering the barrier to entry, really, for, for new people wanting to work on HPC and enabling them to get started as, as quickly as possible wherever they, they choose to run. That's really interesting. I guess that, that familiarity speeds up the uh, the cycle time again, so you're not having to learn new things each and every time. It's, that's actually an important point. You know, trying to provide a familiar environment, one that doesn't require them to do new and unusual things or to have new and strange hurdles to jump over is actually very important. And this is particularly so in the case where sometimes people will come to us in a bit of a panic. And and this is actually one of the other cases that we had over the summer that AWS really helped with was somebody came to us and said, oh, we need to do 100,000 simulations for a reviewer in 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 an important paper we've been looking at. This person wants us to do some more simulations to confirm certain things. And we need to have this done more or less like yesterday. So they came and and it it turned out the constraints weren't quite as bad as as, as yesterday, but it was within a, a small number of weeks. They needed to have these large number of runs done. And my colleague, Ian Smith, was able to use the AWS. He'd been exploring setting up a condor pool sitting on top of the spot market. So you're able to to get computational resources at a very inexpensive price. And he was able to set things up. So these people were able to do their runs and get everything done in a wall clock time of seven hours, 21 minutes. But it would have taken about 98 days if they'd done it on one computer. <laughs> wow. And, 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 and the thing that made their jaws drop was that when we told them it cost $51.16 to be able to do this on <laughs> AWS. And this is just a brilliant example of how that emergency flexibility can can be addressed by, by resources in AWS. That's amazing. I mean, that that t- ticks the boxes, I guess, of yeah, that doing things faster and doing things cheaper. 
maybe, um, Kristen, you can talk about what you're seeing sort of more broadly in the research community and what flight is allowing people to do and, and where you're seeing that demand sort of land. Well, for the past two years, um, with uh, flight being available on the AWS marketplace and um, through our to, our to our client base, we've spent a lot of time researching anything that's been open source based. Uh, one of the things that we have noted over the past two years is that those who are seeking cloud are kind of seeking what we call an inclusive solution. One where they want to bring as many people as possible in, want to get something going up as fast as possible. I mean, to complement Cliff's uh, story about the uh, needing the resources immediately, we've noticed that in uh, training for HPC, that is incredibly popular to use the cloud because they can mirror their own cluster if they want to, or they can build a completely different one, maybe one that they might be considering buying or maybe not considering buying at all. Like they're, they're experimenting with the idea of clusters and got some really wonderful case studies out of uh, people working for training in very little time getting everything up by passing a lot of the pain that the administrators have gone through to setting up these systems that only get used for like half a day and then having to take them down. It's it's annoying. And, and using the cloud for that is a wonderful um, opportunity for people, more people to get into high performance computing. Um, and it everything from that all the way up to uh, crazy stuff, people are starting to look at IoT buttons at Alexa for calling up clusters, which is <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. But, you know, it's stuff you can think about for the future, where in certain circumstances, it very well might be completely fine to say Alexa I need I need a cluster I've got to do this little project but it's it that's kind of the the great fun that we've seen all the way down to you know now with Eclipse work and all of the great studies that he's starting to bring out we're looking forward to adding that to our um, adding out to our story so we can tell more people about it and it's interesting you mentioned that that phrase cluster and and certainly for for many uh, researchers the, the experience is one of you know, whilst having access to a, a cluster and a high-performance cluster in their research facility, often time is limited. Uh, you, you're always sort of competing for that that precious time, whereas really what you're describing is a world where everyone gets their own cluster. <laughs> it's a nice world. Sure, absolutely. And I think in some ways research computing is stifled. It's, it's uh, sort of distressed a little bit by having to go through those processes of applying for time, of, of sharing very large on-prem facilities. By their nature, they're quite inflexible. Um, it, it can be difficult to do something that's um, even slightly different to what is being done in, in an existing point on those clusters. So we've certainly found that the ability to be a lot more agile, to create clusters and to create solutions when we need them, that's a, a, a huge benefit to researchers who genuinely for their research, they don't know what sort of cluster, they don't know what sort of machines, they don't know what sort of environment they, they need to work on. So when you're when you're a researcher, even if you're a head of department, even if you're a facility head, it can be very, very difficult and quite daunting to have to predict what your researchers are going to need for the next year or the next three years or the, the next five years. And those are the choices that for an on-premise system, uh, these these people are having to make. They're having to uh, make a bet. They're having to gamble on what the researchers are going to need. And the first thing we find when we run on a platform like AWS, it, it takes that gamble away. 
It allows people to do discovery work straight away. It allows them to jump right in, hopefully with something running flight that's that's familiar to them that they can get started with very quickly. And ultimately, as, as a, a lot of research is about genuinely trying things out to see what works. And in a cloud environment, there's there's no fear of failure. You can't break the system. You can't make it run wrong. <laughs> Literally, they're throwaway. You can have a go. You can see what works. You click a button and you can start again. So that really does help support proper discovery and proper research work. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, it's very, very difficult to predict the future in, in many aspects, and certainly research computing is, is one of them. Can you tell us maybe from a, from a, a getting starter perspective, you know, how hard is it to get up and running with flight? And, and supplementary question, if I may, I have a view that the, uh, the spot market, the EC2 spot market is kind of the, uh, the researcher's best friend because it's a great way to get access to oodles of uh, compute resource at very low cost. How hard is it to get going with flight and how hard is it to use the spot market with that as well? Well, we've added a, a number of features into flight that allow researchers to make use of um, some of the pricing benefits like Spot on AWS really quickly and really easily. So to take an example, by subscribing to the, the free flight community product in Marketplace, uh, a user is guided through a number of setup questions about their cluster uh, typically, we use either on-demand or reserved instances for the cluster infrastructure. So for, for those who are not familiar, on-demand is a uh, an instance type which AWS will allow you to start at any point. There's a, a fixed list price for this environment, so you always know what you're going to pay. And that instance, that those resources are always available whenever you need them for the cluster. Now, that's great for infrastructural services. You want those things to always be there. Um, you always need a login point and storage services and things like that with a cluster. But what the setup guide for flight allows you to do is choose a, a different billing model for your compute instances. So typically, a researcher might choose a, a spot instance type for their compute nodes and what the spot market does is it allows you to enter a price for the instance that you would be happy to pay. Um, and that's usually a, a maximum price. That's a, a top-end um, cost. And what Flight will do is it will start the number of compute nodes you've requested in the cluster until that spot price goes above the amount that you've confirmed that you're happy to pay. Uh, now, that's that's pretty easy to do. The cluster launches sort of within two or three minutes from Marketplace. So um, it's it's really straightforward. What we've also done with Spot is we've tied that into the job scheduler uh, compute node queues. So if you submit jobs through your job scheduler on a flight cluster, uh, the job scheduler is aware of the compute nodes that are available. And we have a feature called auto-scaling. So if there are no jobs to, to run, Flight will shrink the cluster down. It will remove compute nodes to mean that you're not having to pay for those instances. As soon as the job scheduler spots that you've submitted some work, some jobs to run, it will instruct the AWS platform to give you more compute nodes um, and they can be on the spot market, and you can control what size those compute nodes are and how many of those nodes are going to get added to your cluster. So really is designed from a familiarity point of view. It's very, very simple, very, very similar to an on-premise facility. 
And flight under the covers is managing the the adding and the taking away of those spot instances to to make it as transparent as possible. That's great. And, and Cliff, coming to you, if if someone's listening and they're, they're in the research community, either creating the compute platforms for their community or a researcher themselves, is there any sort of lesson learned or, or tip you'd like to pass on from your own experiences? One of the things is, I think, especially if if, if they do have cloud capabilities is to consider the cloud as an adjunct to their mainstream facilities. So oftentimes, there's a certain core compute resource that is just going to be busy all the time. And that's oftentimes best on-premise. But invariably nowadays, we're getting more and more people who have special requirements or unusual hardware or unusual software configurations, or they just really want to do some experimentation and they don't really quite know what they need and so being able to do things like spin up a, a flight cluster up on AWS lets them experiment, see what's happening. And as Will was saying earlier, they lose the fear of having to mess thing, things up if they make a small mistake. They can just kill things off, start over again. And they realize, oh, no, I need something with more cores or I need something with more memory. Well, that's relatively easy to knock down what you have, bring it back up again, and just to make certain that you have a very clear idea of exactly the computational resources you need. And that can then sometimes help inform the decisions and purchasing on-premise or possibly even looking at at longer-term use on the cloud. It depends what's appropriate for, for, for the researchers and what makes it easy for them to be able to get things going. I think that's one of the key factors is try to keep things as simple, as straightforward as possible for the researchers. Agree, agree. That's a, a great tip. Cliff, thank you so much for coming to the podcast and sharing your story. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And Kristen, thanks for sharing your perspectives too. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And Will, thanks uh, also for coming on board. And, and just as last thing, you, you mentioned the AWS Marketplace. Is that the best place for our listeners to check out Alsa's flight. Absolutely. That's a great place to get started. Excellent. We'll put some links in the show notes. Thank you for, for joining the podcast as well. Thank you very much. And thanks everyone for listening. We do love to get your feedback at AWS podcast at amazon.com. And until next time, keep on building.